2: 8:30 on Friday, August 24th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the latest as state legislators press for solutions during the special session. What's happening and what's next?
1: I am in support of the lottery. Uh, there are people back home who want me to support the lottery. I just didn't like this lottery bill.
2: Then find out why some Mound Bayou students are protesting their school's new merger. And we'll learn which four Mississippi counties top the Appalachian region's list of healthy communities. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Senators are passing a bill to create a state lottery, spending proceeds on state highways for at least 10 years. The Senate voted 30 to 20 on Thursday to approve Senate Bill 2001. Passage came after hours of debate questioning the freedom the legislature would give to the Mississippi Lottery Corporation, exempting it from bid laws open meetings laws and open records laws. The Lottery Corporation would be governed by a five-member board appointed by the governor. Democratic Senator David Blunt of Jackson tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the bill needs improvements.
3: If we're going to have a lottery, we don't need to turn it over to a private company without uh, state oversight, uh, without public records, without open meetings. Uh, if we're going to have a lottery, it ought to be uh, fully transparent and accountable to the taxpayers, uh, and, and the bill that was before the Senate today uh, doesn't do that.
0: And I know um, everybody wants to move forward with infrastructure, and some people do want a lottery. But like you said, it it needs to be a good bill. So, what do you see possibly going wrong in the future now that this is passed? And let's say that it does make it out of the House and everything. What do you see being the biggest issue?
3: The bill has not made it all the way through the process yet, and there are problems with the bill. Uh, And so I hope the House will address those problems, make it better. Uh, But that requires uh, the legislative leadership being open to listening to other points of view, listening to amendments. And I hope that happens on the House side and we get a better product uh, before we wrap up here.
2: Senator David Blunt. Senate Democrat Derek Simmons of Greenville tells our Ashley Norwood amendments like this were not considered.
1: I still have a lot of concerns. Uh, within 48 hours, we were tasked with looking at a bill that was 123 pages, 68 sections. And the way the corporation will be set up uh, it's completely controlled by the governor. And then I had an amendment as well that would have created a priority listing because areas like where I represent, we have some of the most efficient roads and the most efficient bridges. And that amendment, it failed as well. And and my amendment simply said, let's uh, let the uh, highway department look at those bridges and roads and and at least start repairing those bridges and roads first.
0: So without the priority listing, then how are they going to choose who gets what?
1: From what I've been told and what I understand, there is a formula that already exists with the Mipsy Departments of Transportation, and they would use that same way to determine which road or which bridge should be fixed. But based off that formula that the department uses, we have a lot of roads and bridges in the Mississippi Delta that are so deficient that we've had to close them. And I just don't believe until we start seriously addressing the most efficient roads and bridges, rural areas like where I represent, they, they would not get the help that they need from the legislature and from the agency.
0: So the formula that's been in place, it hasn't been fair play.
1: We're talking about putting a Band-Aid on something that needs surgery. We know $400 million a year is needed to address this infrastructure crisis. And this lottery bill only creates, what, $20, $40 million a year? And so it's not a lot of money, and it's speculative. We have a definite problem, but we are talking about using speculative dollars to fix something we know we have, know we need to fix. So I am in support of the lottery. Uh, there are people back home who want me to support the lottery. I just didn't like this lottery bill.
2: Senator Derek Simmons. Republican Senator Philip Moran tells MPB's Ashley Norwood concerns are common regarding the amount of time lawmakers were given to review the bill.
4: Well, you know, and that's always a, a, a topic of discussion is, did we have it long enough to see it? I sent it out to everyone last night, and uh, I just appreciate all of the colleagues' input. There was a lot of good input on the bill today and a lot of things enlightened about it. We, you know, ultimately, we're, we're happy to move one step forward to getting a key component in this state that we need in order to move our state forward. If we're ever going to get off the bottom being 50th, we have to generate more revenue for infrastructure and for education. Those are the two most important things, and uh, this bill handles the infrastructure problem. We hope to come back next year. Hopefully, if the, uh, we feel like that the numbers or, or uh, the revenue that is coming in is much higher than it was last year and will be higher again next year, And uh, our next goal now is is to tackle education and and fund it more than it is today. Uh, It's very important, absolutely. But this is a step in the right direction. And I'm just so proud of our colleagues that stepped up and, you know, went to the plate today and said, okay, it's not a perfect bill, but let's keep this thing alive. Let's move it to the House. Let's see if we can come to, uh, to an agreement together and come up with a good bill you know, and the people in the state have waited for so long for a lottery. I mean, think of all of us that, that go across the state lines. The last poll done by the governor's office was some seventy-three percent of the Mississippians on average across the state are in favor of a lottery. So I mean that's seventy-three out of a hundred people that are in favor of that. So at that looking at those numbers, it's a no-brainer for us to have a lottery. And I'm proud to we've worked with it. Uh, it's a long, hard battle, but uh, it's not over yet, but we're going to keep moving forward.
0: I know there's a lot of people that want a lottery, and there's a lot of people that want uh, more revenue for infrastructure, but some of the subparts in the bill were concerning, like uh, the sales tax on it with creating a board and the transparency. Uh, do you think that some of those things might become problematic?
4: The thing to keep in mind is that it takes several months to get on board with the Powerball and the Mega. That doesn't happen in a month. It'll be next spring before you'll ever buy a Powerball and a mega, t- me- mega Ball ticket in this state. So we have time when we come back in January to tweak these things, figure out where these problems are, take the sales tax out of it, And uh, make it a better bill. But if you don't keep it alive today and keep it moving, then you come back in the fourth year of of your four-year term, and you're trying to tackle something like that. So you know that's the thing that we stress today: is let's pass it, let's move on. We'll come back and tweak it.
2: Senator Philip Moran. Leaders say the lottery is projected to provide about $40 million to the state in its first year, and about $80 million in later years. Senate Bill 2001 now moves to the House for more debate. In the other chamber, the Mississippi House is passing a bill that would provide a new stream of money to cities and counties for infrastructure spending. House Bill 1 passed 108 to 5 Thursday. The bill would divert 35 percent of the state's current tax on Internet and catalog sales to cities and counties, an amount House leaders say will be worth $110 million a year when fully implemented in 2022. Counties could spend the money only on roads and bridges, while cities could also spend money on water and sewer work. Democratic Representative Kathy Sykes of Jackson tells MPB's Ashley Norwood she has some problems with the bill.
5: I'm happy that we have finally come to uh, some conclusion on the House side uh, regarding infrastructure uh, we really, really need uh, help with um, our infrastructure as well as our water and sewer, just about every municipality in the state. And so this is a step in the right direction. However, there are some things, some sections in the bill that need tweaking, I think. Uh, one thing that uh, was brought to my attention and why I offered an amendment is that. Our electric uh, vehicle owners in our state—they're going to have a yearly assessment. And those who come through our state uh, that that drive electric vehicles and, and charge these vehicles in our state—they they're the ones that are going to get out, you know, get away scot free without uh, making any contribution to our roads and bridges. Even out-of-state drivers that drive fuel. Um, gas fuel cars when they fill up they're going to pay a gas tax so they will be contributing but um, the amendment was my attempt to uh, level the playing field so that everyone who use our uh, roads streets uh, will um, join in helping to pay for their maintenance and I was disappointed that it it failed uh, but uh, it would have been a step in the right direction, and in January we'll try to revisit it again.
0: Do you think those electric cars would generate quite a bit? no it wouldn't be a
5: it wouldn't be a whole lot because there aren't that many well there aren't that many in the state but uh, uh the the ones that are traveling through the state um we're not even sure about that, so there's no way of assessing that right now but um I'm sure in a you know, a short time that we will have a way of assessing that so that they can contribute as as well as uh, everybody else is contributing to the maintenance. Because we we have neglected this issue for so many years, and now we're at a point where we have to do something about it, especially within the city of Jackson uh, and in Hines County. And I'm happy that this is a step in in the right direction.
0: Representative Kathy Sykes, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. House Bill 1 now moves to the Senate for more debate. Coming up, find out why some Mound Bayou students are protesting their school's new merger. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some Mississippi Delta families are keeping children off campus to protest the consolidation of two high schools. As part of the consolidation of the Mount Bayou and North Bolivar School districts, John F. Kennedy Memorial High School in Mount Bayou and Broad Street High School in Shelby were combined. Together, the schools are known as Northside High School, but they're located on the Broad Street campus. The boycott is reportedly led by a group called JFK United, whose members remain opposed to the merger. Mount Bayou school supporters sued to try to stop the merger of the high schools, saying the new school board was biased against the nearly all black town. Mount Bayou Mayor Eula Peterson tells MPB's Alexandra Watts some are planning on protesting for two full school weeks.
6: This is the first year of the merger of the two schools. The two districts have been merged for for this going to the fifth year I think. First day of school was Monday this week. Two days before uh, the students were to go to school last Thursday, they were to have started school last Thursday. And two days before that date, the Supreme, state Supreme Court brought down a ruling that the school district had put in an emergency motion to say that they couldn't afford to keep both the high schools open. And so the state Supreme Court, first they said, we had filed, uh, gotten a bond to, to um, get a stay on the, on the closure. They had indicated to us that we were to go to mediation before, they, you know, they heard our case. And then the school district put in this motion, emergency motion, and the Supreme Court, without hearing us, went ahead and ruled in favor of the school district and indicated that the school would close and the two high schools would be merged. Actually seventh through 12th grade uh, would be merged and we were to pay court costs. So that's, that's where we are in terms of the closure. So the children have been going to school since Monday.
0: And how have some of the parents reacted? I know there's been some students who are staying home and the protest is supposed to last
3: 10 days, correct? Would you say most parents are for the merger or most parents are against it?
6: I would say for Mount Bayou parents, our school basically provided for Mound Bayou and Winstonville. Winstonville is a small small town just about a mile so north of Mound Bayou. And they have always gone to school in Mound Bayou. And uh, so the students and parents want to keep our school. And so the majority of them are on that page or feel that way, should I say. Some of them have enrolled their children somewhere else. Some of them are considering homeschooling. You know, they're, they're, there's opposition. And and the biggest problem for us is uh, we wanted both high schools to remain open. We do not feel that either community should have to have their children bus four or five miles one way to school. It, it puts a damper on uh, not just the academics, you know, the children having to get up to be on a bus, Go to be driven somewhere. Uh, the extracurricular activities that go on, uh, which I feel is a major one of the major parts of educating a, a well-rounded education involves more than just the academic. Uh, a student, a well-rounded and educated student, should have opportunity to be exposed to extracurricular activities in addition to you know going just going to school. Sports are very important in our area of the country, and uh, that is a part of it. So. The children who have to go and be bused to another school have to go through the dynamics of having to adjust to a new environment, uh, going to a situation where uh, there's going to be negative behavior on the part of the students. You know, my my school, you're coming to my school, uh, and then you want to play ball on my football team, you know, so... These are all variables that the children are are dealing with. And we were big libel. We were in the same school district, but that's been a libel game between these two schools. And now you have merged us into one. And um, no real planning. We started in January. January the 22nd to be exact was the date that the board took the vote to, to merge the two schools. And the vote was three to two. It wasn't even a majority vote. And um, my feeling, and I expressed this at that meeting, that a major decision of this nature certainly should have been made after a lot of community involvement and discussion. And what they did was they said the, the board chair announced that five people would have three minutes each to make comments. And that was as much community involvement that was had before the decision was made.
2: Mount Bayou Mayor Yula Peterson with our Alexandra Watts. The local school board decided early this year to consolidate some schools to save money amid a continued decrease in enrollment. The North Bolivar Consolidated School District was not available for comment. Coming up, find out which Mississippi uh, counties top the Appalachia region's list of healthy communities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.
2: This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Health is better than expected in some of Mississippi's counties. That's according to new research from the Appalachian Regional Commission and Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The Health Disparities in Appalachia report analyzed 40 population and public health indicators, like mental health, smoking rates, and morbidity. They found four Mississippi counties with a strong culture of health. And Noxipi County tops the state's list as a bright spot in the region. Julie Marshall is a senior economist with the ARC. She tells us more about the study.
3: So this report looks at 19 different health outcome measures and identified places as bright spots or counties that exceeded expectations across those 19 health outcomes, given their characteristics and resource levels. And those included things like socioeconomics, demographics, behaviors, and other factors that we know influence health outcomes.
2: There were 10 bright spots identified through Appalachia,
3: any in Mississippi? So there were actually 42 that were identified uh, through the statistical analysis. And there were four counties in Mississippi, Noxubee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Marshall counties. And Noxubee County was selected out of those 42 to be featured as one of the 10 case study communities. What are they doing right in Noxubee County? there's a lot of great things going on in Noxabee. So let me tell you a little bit about how they were identified, and and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the activities and programs and and people that we learned about in Noxabee. So of the 19 health outcomes, Noxabee County performed better than expected on 16 of them. And let me give you a few examples. The COPD mortality rate is 56% better than expected. The heart disease hospitalization rate is 44% better than expected, and the poisoning mortality rate, which is, includes uh, drug overdose, uh, that is 38% better than expected. And one thing I should mention um, about this research is that places that did better than expected, it doesn't necessarily mean that they enjoy excellent health there but rather based on the model and the predictions for what we would think their outcomes should look like, they exceeded those expectations. So NOXAB was one of those that really exceeded expectations, and we learned about so many things going on there. There is community engagement and collaboration. There's pretty strong integration of health services and systems. Uh, Residents there have really made health a shared value and resourcefulness. Uh, Leaders, churches, volunteers in Knoxville are really working hard to continually improve the quality of life in Knoxville. How about the other counties you mentioned? Those 10 counties represent both metropolitan and non-metropolitan counties. They represent all five of the the Appalachian region's Five subregions, and they represent three of the five ARC economic status classifications.
2: What challenges still face Noxippi County or other counties that are in your top ten?
3: Yeah, so these, as I mentioned, many of these counties still face health challenges in terms of absolute outcomes. Uh, what we were looking for here, and, and the goal of this research was was really to look at Appalachian health through uh, through a different lens, and to focus on on positive things going on in the communities and, and the community strengths rather than the shortcomings and and the deficits. So something I would I, I would I would mention here is that we we are aware that many of these counties still face you know resource challenges and health challenges. Um, And we hope that that folks will use this research to learn more about health in their community, both with the the data and the reports. And then through the case studies, um, really learn more about what's going on in their community or what's going on in other communities that may give... Some ideas about cooperation or collaboration that may help them continue to, to work to improve health in their communities. One resource I should mention, in addition to the two reports that we've released, a website called healthandappalachia.org, and that presents the underlying data for this research so folks can really dig in to their community or any county of their choosing um, and create maps and Uh, generate customized reports uh, to really start to learn more about some of those health challenges and where they might start focusing attention and resources. If people look at
2: that report and they go to Noxipi County, will that serve as a blueprint? Will they be able to see what Noxipi County is doing right and why the expectations have been exceeded in so many areas?
3: The case studies definitely offer a number of opportunities to learn from Noxipi County. And that was really the goal with these case studies was to provide information and ideas. But the way that looks in each community is different. You know, in in Knoxville County, for example, leaders come from all walks of life, from elected officials to faith leaders. They're both paid and volunteer. And many of them are focusing on the core determinants of health. So that's what leadership looked like in Knoxville. And it might look a little bit different in one of the other counties. And so this really gives a menu of options, and hopefully many other places can recognize themselves in Noxabee in the way that their leaders are engaged or the way that residents are are working on resource sharing or cross-sector collaboration to really start to figure out how they might use this information.
2: Julie Marshall is the Senior Economist with the Appalachian Regional Commission. Thank you so much for being with us and for that information. Thank you very much. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long coming up at 9. The Gestalt Gardener, at 10, it's Next Stop, Mississippi, and at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.